You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by today's message. Well, hello everybody at Redemption Church. My name is Nieves. Um, I am the assistant pastor and youth leader here in Bashiniva, Mexico, where the, your team is actually at right now. It's been a great time. We've had a great time worshiping together, studying the Word together. And well, um, Daniel has asked me to share with you guys uh, this morning, so that's what I'm going to do. First, um, I want to pray before we get started and just ask for the Lord to bless our time. So Father, we just ask that you would, you would bless us with understanding and humility. We ask that you would give us hearts that are prepared to receive your word. And also that you would help us to be courageous and strong and valiant, Lord, to go out and, put, and practice these things. Help us not to just be consumers, Father, of your word, but help us to consume it and practice it and live for it and defend it and know it, Jesus. And we ask that you would be glorified above all things. Amen. Well, I've been here in Bashinima for about, uh, going on 20 years now. I'm married. My wife, her name is Karen, and we have four children. Um, I have two boys and two girls. And it's just been a blast to be, to be here and to be able to fellowship with the group. I especially love um, times of worship and uh, Bible study. And it's just been a really, really great time. So... Um, let's get go ahead and start with the Bible study. So I'll be talking about self-righteousness and self-justification. And if you like, please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, which is what we're going to be studying. All right, so at one point or another in our lives, we all, we've all considered ourselves as a decent human being. We know that we've done bad things, but we also know that we haven't done things that are too, too bad. And we comfort ourselves thinking of that. Knowing that, well, I'm an all right person. I haven't done that. You know, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't done anything that's too bad. And I'm definitely not as bad as that person. It's, a na- it's natural for the un- uh, regenerate man to think of himself as a decent person, as a just person, as a good enough person. Or um, that he or she has done just enough to be justified or hasn't done the things he's, that are going to keep him from being justified. Now, I say this out of my own experience. I used to say that before I was saved. And that's usually what I hear from people when I share the gospel with them. When you ask people, are you going to go to heaven? The majority of people respond, well, man, I guess so. I mean, I haven't done anything too bad. This is called self-righteousness or self-justification. They're justifying their entrance to heaven before the holy, our holy God by the things that they have or they haven't done. So when a person thinks that God is going to declare them as a perfectly and just human being, a correct person, according to his divine standards and his divine justice, and that he has obtained this justice by his own works, by that person's own deeds, that he hasn't done anything too bad or he's done just enough good, and that it comes from himself, this is called self-justification. It's to pull out what we have inside and present it to God and say, God, Look, this is what I have and it deserves. And I deserve to be forgiven and I deserve to be justified. That's self-justification. It's, it's pulling out the righteousness that's inside of us and saying, God, it meets your holy standards. The means and the, this means or pulling it out of ourselves and saying it's justification and basing it solely on ourselves is not. Sadly, it's not justification. The Bible talks about this. The Bible specifically speaks about how we can be justified. And there's only one way. And Jesus talks about that. And that's why we're going to be looking at Luke. And I'd like, this is what I'd like to study with you. So let us read. Let's go ahead and read Luke 
chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, the purpose of this parable is to confront those who trust in themselves. It's for all those people who trust in themselves as being sufficient for, um, for God to accept. That, saying that, or having that been said, it's for the people that say, you know what, I don't need anything. I can do it on my own. I have what it takes for God to accept me. And for those people who feel that and treat other people badly because they don't meet their standards. So in this parable, Jesus presents two people. The first, a Pharisee, which is a man who dedicated his life to religion, a man who had given his life to the study of the law, a man who supposedly dedicated his life to God. The second, a traitor, a tax collector, a man who was despised and hated by all the Jews, a man who had dedicated his life to extortion, to steal, to lie, he, dedicate, he had dedicated his life to money and fortune, and he made it by lying and cheating God's people. Both men had gone to the temple to pray. Now we're going to analyze what Jesus has to say about these two men and their prayers. First, we take a look at the Pharisee in verses 11 and 12. When in those verses, it says that, that this religious man was praying. According to the text, he had come to the temple, and he was standing by himself, and he was praying. But... This prayer, according to the context of the text, wasn't even acknowledged by the Father. But why is that? Because he was self-righteous. He was justifying himself by his own deeds. He tithed. He wasn't as bad as that tax collector or other people. He fasted, according to himself, and maybe even according to um, the culture during that day, he was considered maybe even a holy man. But it wasn't the case when God looked on, uh, at him. He was trusting in himself. His justice stemmed and came out of him. He was a self-righteous man. He was measuring his righteousness by his own standards and by comparing himself to others. He was standing in the temple, giving himself all of the glory. While he may have wanted to be praying, he was simply standing there and acknowledging how good he was and how much better he was than other people who didn't do what he did. So according to what we see here, his deeds were not justifying him, even though he was a very religious man and was considered as a good person. But if we take a look now at the tax collector in verses 13 and 14, this man was considered a bad man. They hated this man. He was a wicked traitor. By most of the Jews, they despised him. In spite of his reputation, and all of his sins and everything that he did, he comes to the temple and pray, just like this religious man. He comes to the temple to pray. First of all, it's beautiful that the Lord doesn't exclude him and say, you can't come into the temple to pray. But he comes in and he's far off. He's far away from the presence of the Lord. He's way back there. 
and he acts very differently than the Pharisee. First of all, we see that he's ashamed. He is totally humbled by his sin. He knew that he was wrong. He knew that he was stealing. He knew that he had traded in God's word for money. He knew that he was doing something that he wasn't supposed to. He had absolutely nothing to offer the Lord. He knew that. He knew that he was coming to the temple empty-handed. That he was a rebel. He was a sinner. He felt so bad that he wouldn't even dare lift his head to heaven and he would beat his chest. And when he prayed, he dared to do something truly unbelievable. Picture it for a moment. This man has nothing. He has nothing to give to the Lord. He's a sinner. He's a thief. He's a liar. He's a traitor to his nation. Yet he comes to the Lord and he asks him. Unbelievably, he asks him for something. He asks God to be merciful to him. And this is where it gets very, very, very interesting. Because he was actually asking God to be the very thing that would forgive him. The substance, everything that would forgive him, he was asking God to be that. He was exposing himself to God and begging God to be his forgiveness. He wanted the person and the work of God to justify him. He wasn't depending on his own works. He wasn't depending on religion or culture. He was depending on God. He came, he went directly to the Father and said, please be merciful to me. He knew he was wrong, but he was trusting in God and asking for him to be solely the only thing forgive him. But what did this man have to offer God so that he would be merciful to him? He had absolutely nothing. There was nothing. And he knew that. And God knew that. And this is why he sought God for his justification. He was saying, he was asking God to be the cause, the motive, the reason, the substance of his forgiveness. This man was 100% dependent. He was depending on God for his justification and his and asking him to make him righteous. And as we can see in these verses, God did justify him. He did. Even though he was a man, if we see him with worldly eyes, he was way worse than the tax collector, I mean, sorry, than the Pharisee. So all of this to say that man can't justify himself through his deeds, his own merits, the good things that he does or that he doesn't do. And even though a person may do some things that seem to be righteous even though they have the appearance of them they're not why because anything good that comes out of man wicked sinful rebellious enemies of god they stem and come out of a sinful heart that sinful nature is still there the main problem the source of our of our death sin is still in us and no matter how good we act and no matter how many good things we do, that's not going to justify us. For the cause of our condemnation or for God to um, condemn us and to, um, and to give us this uh, punishment is because of our sin. And we don't get rid of that sin by deeds. For the only way to get rid of sin is through death, is through the shedding of blood. So everybody in this world are sinners. There's no one that is just, not a single person. And there's nothing that a person can humanly do to change that. There's, it doesn't matter how many times you go to church. It doesn't matter how many times you pray. It doesn't matter how times we give offering or tithes. It doesn't matter how close we stick to God's law. Those things do not justify us of our sin. Those things aren't capable of making God say, you know what? I declare you innocent. I declare that you are no longer responsible for that sin and that rebellion 
that you that you that you that you're in against me. All of our righteousness, if we're not in Christ, is just like a filthy rag, and that's because of our sin. Please go with me to Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. In Isaiah 64, 6, it says, But we are, are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. We cannot justify ourselves before a holy and perfect God. But guess what? God can. God is the only one that can justify and declare a sinner as an innocent person. And not because He just sweeps away their sins, but because He deals with them perfectly. And not only can God do it, not only is He able to, but He's willing. He's so willing that He's given His only begotten Son for that very purpose. Only God is good and perfect, and only can He provide justice through Himself. Only He has the authority to do so. So God has given this justification through the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. And every sinner that believes in Him is justified. And that's to say that God, in His love, has given His Son to take our place, to die and take upon our sins. So we're going to learn, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. So let us go to Romans chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. We're going to take a look at this and see how God has justified His enemies through Jesus Christ. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But, we, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through, the righteousness, through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through the righteousness of Jesus, the Son of God, are we justified. All who believe in, believe in Him are made righteousness. We disobeyed and we deserve death. But Jesus obeyed God perfectly in everything. And He took the cross. And He died in our stead. He took our sins upon Himself and received our punishment. So that for, and so for that reason, uh, every single person who believes in Him for salvation, God declares Him righteous. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through His righteous act. The righteous for the unrighteous. The just for the unjust. And whoever believes in Him, God declares as His um, child. God is so incredible that in spite of our rebellion and sin, He gave us grace. He gave us a beautiful gift that we do not deserve. A gift that you can't put a price on it. He's given us salvation through the death, through the resurrection, and the ascension of His Son, Jesus Christ, who is now in heaven. And He is our, and he, there He is on, um, on our behalf at the right hand of God. So we're justified and made righteous through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you've been justified and you've been made righteous, 
This is a call to us, a reminder, not to treat others with contempt, to not be puffed up because we've been saved, thinking that we're better than those people that are outside, that those people that are still lost, that those people that are maybe out on the street, that don't have a house, don't have a home, maybe in a, in a, they're in addiction, drug addiction, or who knows what. We're not better than those people. Even though we have been saved, that doesn't make us any more deserving of God's grace than them. We are still, we have still received God's grace, not by our own merits. We have gained nothing of our own accord. We owe absolutely everything to Christ. So let us be humble. Let us be humble. Acknowledge that everything that we've received comes from Him. That we've been saved by the merits of Jesus Christ. That we've been saved by Him. And we've been called and we've been chosen and we've been saved through, by grace. Let us glorify God in all that we do. And we must love everybody <laughs> as we love ourselves. But now, for maybe if you're listening to this uh, short message and you've, you've never heard these things before, or maybe you have heard these and the Lord's tugging on your heart, if you feel like that tax collector and you know that you have nothing to offer the Lord, hallelujah, praise be the Lord that you feel that. We must come to a place where we acknowledge that we have nothing to give to the Lord. And we need to come to that place so that we can stop trusting in ourselves for righteousness and justification. And just like that man, that tax collector, we have, to, uh, we have to come to him, run to him. And as hard as it may seem, we have to ask him. We have to trust in him. We have nothing that God desires. There's nothing inside of us that God says, I want that to forgive you. You know that thing that you do every Sunday? And you come, you sit down, and you pray, that's what I need to forgive you and justify you. That's exactly what I was looking for. God, there's nothing in us or nothing that we can do that God desires for our salvation. We have nothing inside of us that's deserving of forgiveness. So come to God, expose yourself to Him, come and tell Him, I am a sinner, and abandon all self-righteousness, all self-justification, everything that you might be holding on to that brings you comfort, that makes you think, okay, God's gonna accept me because I do this, throw that away and trust in Jesus Christ. Look at the cross and what He did on that cross for us. He came so that He could pay the price that we can't pay. He came to live the life that we couldn't live. And He rose again. And we have life in Him. And you, you can too, if you believe in Him. So be humble and trust Him for your forgiveness. Believe in what Jesus has done. And be forgiven and be made righteous. Because Jesus died and rose again and is at the right hand of the Father. It is He who redeems, forgives, justifies, and saves he paid the price to save you. Therefore, believe and be saved. And with that, I'd like to, I'm going to end and I'd just like to pray for you guys. Dear Father, I thank you for this time that we can be in your word. No matter if we're in Mexico or in Florida, we thank you, Father, because there's no boundaries that can keep you in or keep you out. We thank you because the Holy Spirit lives inside of every one of, that you've saved. I pray for my brothers and sisters here in Mexico and in Florida and all around the world. Help us to always be humble. Help us to always remember that we need you. And there's nothing that we have or that we can do, dear Father, to make us more pleasing or acceptable. But it's all your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives in us. And we thank you because you love us. And we thank you because you're always with us. I pray for those that may be listening to this 
message, Father, and that they, they're not saved. I pray that you would cut them to the heart through your word and that you would use your word to truly help them understand how much they need you and that you would open their eyes to see that your, your arms are wide open and that they're wide open because Jesus died and he suffered your wrath on that cross and that he paid the price that you, you set and he met the requirements that you have all through his life and his death and his resurrection. And we thank you for that. And I ask that you would bless them and that you would save them. And I ask that you would continue blessing the rest of, of our time as we live here on, the, on earth to honor and to glorify your precious and your holy name. And, and in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, brothers and sisters. I hope you guys have a, a blessed rest of the day. And Dios los bendiga. This is Pastor Daniel Williams at Redemption Church in Delray Beach. Thank you so much for listening to that message. We pray it was an encouragement. It was a blessing to you as we love to pursue and to proclaim Jesus together. And so no matter where you're listening, whether it be YouTube or our podcast, you can go to more resources at redemptiondb.com and even partner with us in ministry to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. God bless you. And thank you so much for listening.